Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for April 6. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Eleven years ago this month, the world watched William and Kate's wedding. More than two billion people took time out to view this royal event with its rich pageantry and ceremony. It was all that we would expect of a royal occasion. How different was Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on the first Palm Sunday? As Luke's narrative unfolds, we find that Jesus' mission has been a movement towards Jerusalem, the city where the temple symbolized God's presence with his people. It was inevitable that Jesus' work would reach its climax there. But how would the city receive him? During his three years of public ministry, Jesus had been confronted by representatives from Jerusalem who had quizzed him and opposed him. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The path that Jesus trod with thousands of others on their way to Jerusalem for Passover involved a long climb from Jericho, the lowest city in the world, through the villages of Bethany and Bethphage up to the Mount of Olives. From there, Jerusalem comes into view, and for most Jewish people, the end of the journey. Passover in the city of God. For Jesus, this was a moment for which he had prepared. He sent two of his disciples to a village to fetch a donkey, telling anyone who asks, The Lord has need of it. Jesus was deliberately fulfilling the words of the prophet Zechariah, who had spoken some 500 years earlier about God's king riding on the foal of a donkey. It was always said that no one but the king was permitted to ride his horse. This colt had never been ridden. Throwing their cloaks onto the colt, the disciples set Jesus on it. As Jesus journeyed down the steep path from the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley that day, people not only spread their cloaks on the road, but also started singing from Psalm 118, one of the festival psalms. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. The cloaks on the road and the singing suggested that a king was entering his city. Psalm 118 is a song of victory. There's something here that is quite often overlooked. The crowds that joyfully sang that day were people from the provinces who had seen and heard Jesus outside the city. Now these people saw Jesus coming in fulfilment of their hopes, answering their longings for a king who would bring peace to earth from heaven itself. The words they sang echoed the words of Jesus earlier in his ministry in Luke chapter 13. If Israel will repent and greet with blessing the one who comes in the name of the Lord, then Israel will experience the advent of salvation. However, there was a discordant and ironic note here that the crowds in their enthusiasm seemed to have missed. This king was not riding a warrior horse. There was no royal or presidential motorcade with armed security. This king was riding a donkey, fulfilling for anyone who knew their scriptures, the words of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Indeed, some of the Pharisees going along with the crowd appear to have become anxious about how the authorities in Jerusalem would respond. Tell these people to keep quiet, they said to Jesus. But contrary to his call for silence when Peter had confessed him as the Christ, now, he said, if I tell these people to be quiet, even the very stones would sing out. Jesus was anticipating the day when even the inanimate elements of creation will respond with joy, the day of the final redemption of God's people. It was a time to sing out. God's King was coming to the city to bring about God's rescue for His people. Jesus' work would provide the greater exodus, not just for Israel, but for all people, through His own Passover act when He was crucified. As Jesus came near and saw the city, we read in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, He wept over it, saying, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. The people thought Jesus was coming to take up his kingship in Jerusalem, but Jesus went on to predict that because Jerusalem had failed to see and welcome him as God's long-promised king, it would become a smoking, desolate ruin. With this description of Jesus' entry into the city of David, Luke turns our attention away from the glory of the kingdom to focus on the suffering the king would endure before the week was out. There will be no glory without suffering, no crown without a cross. There's a lesson here for us. Luke wants us to understand that God's King will come one day in awesome power and glory. Yes, without a doubt, that will happen. Jesus' death and resurrection and the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD point to the reality of divine intervention in human affairs. But Luke also wants us 
to turn our eyes from the political transformation of society to the greatest need of all of us, the spiritual transformation of our souls. Before we experience our great expectations of Jesus' kingdom in all its fullness and glory, we must first receive him into our hearts. In every age, preachers have wept for the people and the towns and cities where they have ministered God's truth. I know I have. Wept for those who have come and walked away because they didn't want to hear about what C.S. Lewis called the divine interferer. Without Jesus, God's King in our lives, we are lost. So let me pray. Almighty ever-living God, you have given to all men and women Jesus Christ, our Saviour, as a model of humility. He fulfilled your will by choosing to take on human form and give his life for us on the cross. Turn our hearts to you and help us bear witness to you by following his example of suffering. Make us worthy to share in his resurrection. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen.
God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world, and especially upon the people of Ukraine at this time. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all men and women, and banish from them the spirit that makes for war. Sovereign Lord, direct and govern the leaders of the nations. Especially we pray for the leaders in the United States, the United Kingdom, Ukraine, Russia and China. Give them the will and the wisdom to resolve tension and conflict, so that all people may live in justice and peace. We ask this so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one people and in obedience to your laws, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And a prayer for those in need. Almighty God, we commend to your fatherly goodness all who are in any way afflicted or distressed, especially those who suffer and grieve in this time of unprovoked war in Ukraine. We also pray for those who are known to us. May it please you to comfort and relieve them according to their needs, giving them patience in their sufferings and our happy issue out of all their afflictions. All this we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christ Church Presbyterian, San Francisco. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening and concluding music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney. The hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, is sung by the Cathedral Chamber Choir under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you.